It has finally made it to air. Welcome to Paul's Podcast, episode number one. And we're doing it with the biggest guests that I could think of. My good friend, the one and only Anunzi, joining me on the podcast this week. He's just the first of many big guests that is coming up in the next several weeks. I cannot wait to share these incredible stories and these incredible guys and girls' careers with all of you. Um, certainly just a, a who's who uh, that I've been speaking to of local and even some internationals. I'm going to be making a stop here on the podcast to talk to myself. Um, can tell you coming up in the next couple of weeks, the money man himself, Mr. Money, going to be on the podcast. Johnny Palazzo, the Italian stallion, the legend in his own right, will be stopping by the podcast as well. And of course, I've also been in talks with guys like PJ Black, or you might remember him as Justin Gabriel from WWE, and also former WWE referee Jimmy Corderas, as well in talks to come onto the podcast in the new year. Also, magnificent Mike Zander going to be on the podcast as well. Those are just some of the guests that will be coming up in the next couple of months and weeks. I'm super excited to hear all their stories and things like that. Um, but again, there's so many great superstars in this country, uh, and I can't wait to get all of their stories captured right here on the podcast. Today's interview with Anunzi is an open and frank discussion throughout his career, the early days to more recently um, the uh, injury to his knee, the surgery, and the dark place in which that surgery took him back to. It's raw, it's unapologetic, it's emotional, it's open and honest, it's frank, it's opinionated, it's a great interview, it's a long interview, I didn't know that was going to go the long, but we just had so much fun talking, and afterwards um, I got a WhatsApp from him as well just to say how much he had a blast with it, I had a blast with it, I just felt right at home in my element he was in his element telling his career it was just a it's just a great time but right now i want to share what's on my mind with 2020 here i want to look back at the year that was 2019 and highlight in no particular order my top 10 moments in professional wrestling slash sports entertainment i'm going to start with number 10 from right here in our own home country and again, this is in no particular order, by the way. This is just as I, I jotted them down here. The APWA Tag Team Tornado Steel Stairs Match. Ab-so-freaking-lutely incredible matchup. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on social media. Go just look up uh, Steel Tornado Steel Steps Match or Steel Stairs Match. Um, you'll find it on social media. It is just an incredible matchup. These guys are phenomenal. They just put on a hell of a match. Best match of the year contender, no matter where you go. I loved watching that match. I wish I was there to call the match up. They just did a phenomenal job. And the talent in, in APWA at the moment is incredible. You've got Alicio, Matthew Hammer, Visa, uh, Super Dragon. It's just some great superstars uh, in APWA. And we talk about that with uh, Nazi in this interview as well. And at number nine, I've got Chris Jericho in the years of or the year of resurfaceness. Uh, is that a word? Uh, who cares? Uh, for Chris Jericho over in AEW, he's just doing phenomenal over there. He's the champion, but just continuing to redesign himself since leaving WWE. Um, Chris Jericho has had a phenomenal year. His promos are on par. He's just doing phenomenal. He's got his boat or ship. Is it a boat? It's a ship, right? It's not a boat. 
Um, but he's got his uh, uh, thing going on there as well. Just doing absolutely phenomenal. Can't be more happy for Chris Jericho, one of the true pioneers in our industry as well. He calls himself GOAT, and he might very well be. At number eight, I've got Tessa Blanchard and the year that she's had. She's been kicking some male you-know-what, proving that a woman can do whatever a man can do. And at that level, she's been just a pioneer in the uh, women's evolution in her own right in Impact Wrestling, taking on some of the great men superstars, male superstars in Impact Wrestling, main eventing big pay-per-views as well. She's been killing it. She's been having a phenomenal year. Congratulations to Miss Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard doing phenomenally well in Impact Wrestling and in professional wrestling as a whole. Making a name for women there. At number seven, we're talking about the Wednesday Night Wars and the debut of AEW. And it's really been the Monday Night Wars between AEW and NXT going live. Um, also on Wednesdays on USA. And we've seen some incredible wrestling, incredible superstars surfacing out of this um, as they battle back and forth for ratings. Um, the Wednesday Night Wars have been incredible. Speaking of the Wednesday Night Wars, one Wednesday night, Cody Rhodes cut a promo that would have made his father proud as anything. It was Cody Rhodes' version of the Hard Times promo. If you haven't seen it, also go look that up on social media. Just an incredible emotional promo. One of the best promos that I've heard in years uh, from Cody Rhodes. And certainly, it's just up there on the top 10 of the year in terms of promos as well. In at number 5, back home for the Collision Tour, AWA and TSW taking the world by storm, bringing down international superstars like, of course, Michael Tarver, or Tarver as he's called now only. Also, um, Amber Nova, I thought she was incredible. I thought she was one of the best of all of them that came down, and no disrespect to her male counterparts, but she was incredible. And of course, Wes Briscoe. I was a huge fan of Wes Briscoe when he was at Impact Wrestling or TNA at the time. Um, and great to see Wes Briscoe perform live as well. Underrated talent, and I think in his own right. But yeah, the Collision Tour taking on Grand West Casino at the uh, at the Grand Arena, as well as at Carnival City. That is just huge for SA Wrestling. Congratulations to the guys and gals in uh, AWA and TSW on an incredible collision tour. I hope that it's the beginning of many big things over there. In at number four, Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay has had a phenomenal 2019. He's been on the lips of everybody following the uh, independent circuit, especially in Japan. He has had year uh, best matches, match of the year candidates for sure. And even now recently kicking off the new year at uh, Wrestle Kingdom with a tremendous match as well. He is just doing phenomenal. At number three, Roman Reigns returns to WWE after his battle with leukemia to announce he's in remission. An incredible emotional moment, no doubt about it. And so glad to see the big dog in good health again. It was an emotional moment, and that's why it definitely belongs on the top 10 moments of 2019. The next two moments, number two and one, come from WrestleMania. The first, Kofi Kingston finally wins big, capturing the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. For me personally, this was a big moment because I'd often queried, um, I've written into podcasts and, and to 
you know, the big guys like uh, Meltzer and, and, and Alvarez and things trying to get their view on Kofi because I always felt like there was Kofi Kingston was a major superstar and uh, for him to have his WrestleMania moment and to win the WWE Championship so well deserved but the number one moment for me and again I said this in no particular order but maybe this deserves to be number one and if it wasn't in order be number one is the women headlining WrestleMania Ronda Rousey Charlotte Flair and Becky Two Belts Lynch became history makers at Wrestlemania performing in the main event as women for the first time in over 30 years to headline Wrestlemania in front of thousands and thousands of fans and millions watching around the world on pay-per-view on the WWE Network an absolutely goosebumps moment for those women as well and a cap to the women's evolution congratulations to those women as well and of course we got to make an honorable mention in that match for Ronda Rousey because her notoriety really was the, the the mover in getting those women into the main event of WrestleMania. Well, that's uh, the top 10 moments for Mr. Paul for the year that was 2019. I can't wait to see what 2020 brings to the world of professional wrestling or sports entertainment, whichever moniker you subscribe to. I tell you, it's going to be a big here as well. A lot of returns. John Morrison making a return to WWE. Uh, rumors about Edge's return to WWE. Uh, Paige, there's been a slight rumor of Paige coming back out of retirement as well. Um, yeah, I mean, AEW, they're kicking things off in a new gear as well this year. I, I, I'm super pumped for wrestling. Locally, Slam Force kicking off its second show this coming uh, uh, month of February. And um, bring down great international superstars like Crime Time, Ken Shamrock, Sabu, um, Justin Gable obviously returning, as well as Celeste Bonin. Bonin. Um, yeah, it's just a great time to be a wrestling fan. If you aren't, you should be. Why are you not a wrestling fan? If you're not a wrestling fan, what's wrong with you? It's the greatest sport or entertainment form. It's, it's just incredible. It's got everything you could ever want. It's got drama, it's got athleticism, it's got glamour, it's got music, it's everything you could ever want. If you're not a fan of wrestling, you got to check your pulse. But nonetheless, I'm super excited. In the next episode, I'll continue to dive into what's on my mind as I look at the state of professional wrestling at the moment, uh, internationally in WWE as they are going into the Royal Rumble uh, and their road to WrestleMania, what's happening over in AEW as well. They're getting ready for a pay-per-view in February as well. I'll talk about all of those things on the next episode. But right now, without further ado, let's head over to my good friend, the man himself, the great one, Anansi. None other than the legendary Anansi. Um, Anansi and I have become quite good friends over the last uh, couple of months and um, honestly uh, so great to, to get to know you a little better um, I think I followed your career for so long and, and to get to know the person behind Anansi and I think that's what this um, podcast is going to be about as well getting to know the person behind this superstar I think that's going to be great Anansi welcome to the podcast how are you doing buddy? Thank you so much for having me, man. It's, this is amazing. Finally, <laughs> it's <laughs> happening. I'm doing very well after a well-rested and deserved holiday. I'm doing really great. The rehab on the knee is going as well. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for 2020, man. Absolutely. I can't tell you. I'm, I'm very excited. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that knee uh, um, in a little bit as well. Um, of course, uh, that knee uh, injured um, at the end of last year as part of the Collision Tour. 
Um, and, and I said, we'll talk about that yeah. uh, as we move along here. But um, sort of something that I've always asked my guests back when I did the XWE podcast, and I want to sort of keep that tradition alive, is um, growing up, were, was Anansi a fan of professional wrestling or where did the love for the sport come from? Oh, yes. I've, I've, I was born in wrestling. Um, a, well, a very well-known legend in South Africa, Donnie Fuchus, he's my uncle. So um, when I was a little boy, I can remember from the age of about four years old, my, my parents used to take us with to the wrestling in Johannesburg and go watch my uncle Donnie Fuchus wrestle. And I remember back then I was a huge fan of the Tomato, Tomato 2, you know, Steve Edward. Mm. used to wrestle with Mark. And um, it kind of just grew on me from there. And then, you know, when, when we were at home and we flipped on NNET Supersport, the, the, the local, not the local, the international heroes like Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warriors, all those guys were on. And um, from there, it just grew on me, man. It, it just grew on me. And ever since then, I was a boy that wanted to become a professional wrestler. And that's exactly what happened, man. I just lived the dream. Talk to me about um, Ultimate Warrior, because for me personally, I see a lot of him uh, in you in terms of the tassels and the boots and things like that. How big of an influence was Warrior on yourself? A very, very big. Yeah, <laughs> when I was a small boy, my mom used to give me hiding because in school holidays, we had a trampoline in the yard. I would take my dad's fishing rods, put it on each corner, take nylon rope, put it around, and I'll get my cousins and my friends to do wrestling. And, uh, but the thing what I will do is I'll go to my mom's drawer, I'll take her makeup and paint my own warrior face on, man, when I get a hiding. But, um, he grew on me since, since I was a small boy. The tussles, a lot of that stuff comes from him, that energy, especially when I was younger, breaking into the business, that energy, everything comes from, from the ultimate warrior, you know. So, yeah, no, he had a big, big influence in my life. And yeah. very good. And, uh, Tornado, you mentioned Tornado as well, um, working with Tornado, um, as well. Um, just getting to, to learn from someone like him as well. He's been responsible for so many careers in, in our business, uh, locally speaking. Um, what, did, what was the big thing that you took away from um, Tornado watching him and then also working with him later on? As a small boy, when I watched him, it was, okay, there's a 25, I think, 22-year gap between us. So you can think to yourself, when I was like 10 years old, he was only 30 years old, I think, or a little bit younger than that. Um, he was an acrobat wrestler. He had a mask on and was doing all these acrobatic moves. He was the only guy at the time doing it. Him appeared straight on the, the Kalahari Burbu. They were flying around the ring, you know, dive over the top ropes. And I like that kind of stuff. Of course, we had a trampoline in the yard. That's the stuff that I did on the trampoline. So I've always been the back summies. And so that's where the whole thing from Tornado comes in. And uh, he's just one of the kind, you know. He's, his wrestling is very good. I just love his work. He's, he's, he's an amazing guy. And also someone that just has such a great mind for the business as well, understands the industry and how it works. And so certainly somebody that, that um, myself I've, I've learned from, especially over the last year or so as well, uh, quite a lot of from him. Talk to me about breaking into the business. Um, obviously, I think your path was probably a bit different than your, your normal superstar uh, based on the fact that you were sort of related to uh, someone in the business. But, but how did Anunzi break into the wrestling business? Well, it basically all started, as I said uh, earlier, uh, when we were into the shows with my Uncle Donnie. Uh, I was very fortunate enough growing up with DJ Black. His dad at the time was a promoter, Pink Panther. And um, in the intervals, we will wrestle each other in the intervals. And <laughs> believe it or not, because of the stuff that we always tried at home on the trampoline and stuff, and training night also, also went to, to training with Uncle Donnie for that PJ's dad's house and the Pink Panther's house. We will try out moves and stuff. And... Back then, we, when we did a, um, 
interval at, let's say, uh, a local festival, there was a small interval, myself and PJ and Donny Fugger's son, Danny Fugger. We will get in the, in the ring and we'll just entertain the crowd. And um, that's how I kind of broke into the business. Tornado was the first guy to show me how to hit the ropes and uh, how to take a proper bump back then. But growing up, um, being a grown-up and breaking into the business, I was 18 when I started off with a company called Top Star Wrestling Promotions. They were based in um, uh, uh, Zorg area, West Rand. Uh, back then, there wasn't social media, and cell phones were, weren't so popular. You used to use the page if you want to get hold of somebody. So getting hold of the, the promoters and the stuff back then was, was not that easy. Hmm. But um, I got to meet this one guy through Donnie Brooks. Donnie Brooks said, no, but this guy breaking into the business at Top Star Risking Promotion. My very first match, believe it or not, was against the legendary Spider Now. <laughs> and that evening, I'll never forget that evening. I was just talking about my very first match. You know, that whole match, it was like 15 minutes long. I had one move, and that was a lockup. From there, Spider now beated the crap out of me. <laughs> and he also took his teeth out of the ground. Anyways, um, we were very limited because that, I mean, I joined, our top liners back then was uh, Manny DeFerro, very good technical wrestler, English wrestler. John the Snakeman Powers, also very good uh, English wrestler. But that's it, you know. So I was trying to get hold of the other wrestling promotions, um, one of my friends, Exterminator, and also a, a former friend of mine, uh, Steve Eden, they joined up with you know, Steve Debus. So one day I walked into them at a shopping mall. They said, no, I must come out and come try by Tornado. So from there I tried out by Tornado, and then I think I wrestled for him for about three years. Um, then Mark Buell came on the scene. He bought out the whole company, and he got a TV deal with WWP Thunderstrike back on back in the day on SADC, one of the local um, TV. And then... Yeah. I was there until, I think, 2007. Then I had an opportunity to go to the United States of America to Booker T, to the PWA, um, trained with Booker T. So that's basically how I broke into the business. Everything didn't happen overnight. Hmm. It was from, from about 18 years old till about 25 years old. And I went, the first time I went to Booker T in, in Texas, I realized, like, damn, I don't know anything about pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but from there, I learned everything from you, from scratch, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was not easy to break into the business, um, especially when you are a former well-known, if I can put it that way, Donnie Fuchs, if you want to kind of follow in his footsteps. Hmm. Everybody looks up to you, you know, they, you, you got to stand it to, to give the guys. Uh, and um, it was it was hard. It was yeah. it was really hard. And I was out by myself. Nobody even fed me. Nobody told me anything. Nobody taught me. You know, I... I, told, I actually had to go to the person in real life and said, hey, this is my name. Please, can you teach me this? Can you teach me that? And back then, the, the, the wrestling was very kayfabe. Yeah. Everything was kayfabe, you know. And it's a cutthroat business, even back then. You know, they, they, they just keep you down there as long as they can. Absolutely. Did you work tag matches and, and rumbles and things like that um, before you got that big singles match? Or Yes, I did. Um, when I went to the Booker T, to the PWA, I mean, sir, Myself and one of my friends went over, Jason McGinn, back then uh, wrestled as Jason, Jason Steele. Uh, my first match in the business, yeah. I refereed a match for Jason Steele uh, against Warlock. Oh, wow. Very good. He's a good guy. You know, he's, he's quite chiseled out. He's got a good physique on him. Absolutely. He's got a broad mind about wrestling. He's a very good guy. I'm sure you enjoyed that match, refereeing that match. Absolutely. must have been easy for you, right? Absolutely. Well, I spent yeah, yeah, no, most of the match knocked out. <laughs> um, so they did a oh, they shit. did a spot where they hit me with a chain, 
uh, with Warlock's chain and, and basically so that the Warlock could basically cheat throughout the match and get really get the heat. Um, uh, and I'm sure you know what that means for the those listening don't know what that means. Basically just means kick, uh, getting the crowd really against the bad guy, really getting worked up. So that was basically what the match was. So I didn't see most of the match, but I heard it was great. <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty, pretty sad. You, did that. <laughs> you know, if, if I think about it, if, if I can choose anybody else back then to go tour to me to, to America because all my skills can get a better of me, I wouldn't have chosen anybody else. I think Jason was the guy that I've chosen, you know. Yeah. He's a very good guy. He was a good guy to travel with everything. We learned a lot together as a team. Um, physically, mentally, you know, and even breaking into the, I can put it this way, in the big man world, in, in the real, the reality, you know, becoming a grown-up. It was, it was, I was very fortunate to tour with him. And as a tag match, we did pretty well. A tag team, we did pretty well in, in, in the States. We made a big name for ourselves. We made a, a South African connection. We were, back then, the first guys to go from South Africa and the state to the state. We caused a lot of Arachnitas, and after that, we, we broke the ice. And our friends of mine, personal friends, and went to the WWE after that. That was the, we said that, how can I put it with now? Um, we said that standard out there, and then the guy said, no, there is something bigger out there. And then for obvious, the guys from there just followed. They went to the States, and I'm happy for them. And that's exactly Absolutely. what we wanted from the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what we wanted. So, coming back to your question, yeah, the tag team, um, I was running tag team, myself and Donnie Britt, also a big uh, legend in South Africa. We were tag team champions before. I was I tag with um, Kilimanjaro before. And the Royal Rumbles, I'm still having a record in South Africa for never losing a Royal Rumble in South Africa. Yeah. I think that's why the AWA never takes me down there because I know I'm going to win that World Rumble. <laughs> no, they, they don't give you the Rumble spots; they just they give you singles. Uh, yeah, so, but yeah, that, I, wanna, I really I enjoy talk, the tag matches a lot in the Rumble. Absolutely, I want to talk about the time um, uh, in America, but before I get there, um, you mentioned uh, working for Thunderstrike with uh, Mark Beale and, and uh, um, Abdul Carter, excuse me, um, and and those guys. Um, Talk to me about that experience. I'm assuming that was the first time you did something of that magnitude, basically um, the production of, of television. Um, how, what was that experience like for you? How did it come about? Um, what was your takeaways from there? From my, from my side, I can't give, give any negative critique or that. I, I had a great experience. You know, They looked after me very well financially, first of all. Uh, my experience... In the studios, it was my first time doing TV deals and stuff, so I thought this, this is what it is, you know, and it was it was very good. Even when we toured to India and did all the TV that side, South Africa and the WP Thunderstrike was basically on the same level as them. Um, I had a very good experience. Um, I must give credit to Mark Gilbert and Abdul Kala. They did a great, and also Mike Mzizi, unfortunately he's not with us anymore, yeah. but they did a great job. And I think they set the new standard for South African wrestling. And I think that's where a lot of the guys' eyes open, you know, say, this can be, this dream of wrestling can be lived. It, it can be done. And, and I also, back then I was young, um, with that money, I, I, I remember I still bought myself a BMW cash out of the box with, with my wrestling money from Thunderstrike. Yeah. Um, I was a young guy going around. If I had to stop at a gas station, the, 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 the petrol guys will come to me like, hey, this is a nun, can we take a picture with you? Yeah. I remember if I walked to a mall with my daughters and my family, 
I remember everybody stopped us, take pictures. So he, I was very well known. So the TV back then, what what Mark Willenden did for us, that was great, man. It was, it was very good. The publicity was amazing. Definitely. So let's let's ask the controversial question then. Um, there's been a lot of talk about South African wrestling and, and, and the state of wrestling in South Africa at the moment. Uh, looking back at that WWP Thunderstrike television show and, and the fame and the fortune that it brought at the time, do you think that that will ever be relived in South Africa? I hope so. Honestly, I hope. You know, wrestling in South Africa is on fire right now with all the other people coming up and doing big shows at a big high standard. Definitely, there is some hope for South African wrestling. Um, if they had to put that Thunderstrike show on today's TV, I think it would have been, even back then, the ratings was very high. The AR ratings was, was very, very high. Yeah. But if they had to put it on TV right now today, I, I think it would would have been compared to it on, on the local channel's ratings with the American guys. Definitely. Definitely. I just think our timing, I won't say our timing was off, but it wasn't as big in such a big popular demand back then as now, if, if it makes any sense. And uh, one thing, obviously, that, that sort of hinders the whole thing, it would be the WWE um, and the exposure that they have in South Africa at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I think that's one of the, the big negatives of, of wrestling in South Africa at the moment um, is that WWE influence. And I love WWE as much as the next person. But, uh, again, it's, yeah, on, yeah. it's on free, or it was on free-to-watch television on ETV. Um, it's still available on Supersport. They've made it, they're showing Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, everything live. So, to me, that really plays a big factor as well um, uh, in that. And I know, um, did you wrestle for, for the AWF when they had their show on ETV? No, I didn't work for no, them back then. No. Not at all. I was, no, I was, um, you see, AWF was on TV, and then the negotiations with WWP Thunderstrike was starting, and we were told, guys, please just stay over here before yeah. now. And so we were kind of the loyal guys. That's we were young and dumb. Let's <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. So we just stayed back, and we just quite a commitment to it with Mark Bill, Steve yeah. Devers, Abdul Kaba, and Michael Zizek. But but benefit of hindsight, um, it was not necessarily a, a wrong decision. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, the fame and, and the money that came with that and the experience as well. And obviously that also opened the door for you to, to uh, go over to the States and, and work with Booker T um, and just a fantastic mind in his own right. Did you did you work for Booker T under his reality of wrestling promotion or, or was that uh, more contracted with WWE? No, I was, I was more with Booker T himself, with the PWA itself, the Wrestling Alliance. Okay. Um, I was very fortunate at that time. Uh, okay, the, the thing is, Booker T didn't do the reality shows uh, back then. Yeah. The, the ones that are currently running. Current, yeah. But they were running shows, you know, PWA shows. And um, I was very fortunate because uh, King Booker, he was wrestling as King Booker and Queen Chamel, they're doing that whole run, and it was yeah. very popular at the time. Absolutely. So when there were shows close by Texas, uh, he would take us with to the shows to meet the guys and give us some tryouts and. So he, he really looked hard for us, and he really broke his, his back for us. And that I, I remember Cody Rhodes, the first time it was the Oda Center, uh, Vengeance in 2007. Mm. That was the night that um, Chris Benoit took his own life and his family to them up. Rest in peace, go bless their souls. I remember that night we were at Vengeance, and then Cody Rhodes was one of the guys who did the trial with us. He was in the locker room. He was part of one of the dark matches. And I met him for the first time. I never knew that this guy was going to go so far. 
Absolutely. But I must be honest as well. I never knew he was Dasura's son. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing our man. He's doing absolute fantastic. I'm so proud of the guy. You know, that gives just that that just gives me hope, and and I hope that the the younger generation can look up to that. If if you want something in life, you can do it. Live your dream. Just go for it. I mean, it's exactly what it. What, what Cody Rhodes is doing right now, I'm so proud of him, man. He's, he's doing an absolutely fantastic job. No, no, absolutely. Uh, you, you mentioned um, uh, PJ Black, Justin Gabriel, um, who um, went uh, over there following you, um, as well as, um, let's say, Adam Rose, um, Raymond, uh, as we know him, uh, Ray Bourne, or one of the names. Uh, uh, PJ Black and Ray LePen, yeah. So talk to us um, about the, the relationship w- with those guys. Um, obviously, your paths have crossed in the past. Um, what, what were your thoughts on them when you first met, and, and did you think that they'd make it to the level of which they did? Yeah, look, um, we kind of grew up together in, in the wrestling business. You know, when we were youngsters, like I said earlier tonight, um, when we did festivals, Peter's dad was a promoter, so we did festivals, we get to know each other, play around all the time. But when we broke into the business and got our first TV deal with Thunderstrike, I knew that they want to go, but I never thought they'd actually have the balls to go, to be honest. Um, with all due respect, uh, respect to Whitman. And, uh, but when South and Jason came back, everything was gay fed. Nobody talked to us. I just hear that there's PJ going and there's Ray going. I don't know why they never came to the table and said, guys, um, this is what we're going to do. This is what we want to go. Why don't we all go as a team? I, I don't know until today. I can't tell you why. Um, but I knew that they had it in them to go, you know, and that they will make it. Uh, definitely, definitely, definitely. My whole plan and my vision was, and it worked so far, coming back 2007, opening up a wrestling school, give us all that, all that stuff that I learned, they give it back to the boys and then we all go to all the tribes whenever. But um, everybody's got their own decision life, you know, the, the way they do the things. And what's nice about them, what's worked out for them, especially for PJ, for example. He went there when NXT formed the Nexon. Right time, right place, man. Absolutely. I mean, he gave Vince McMahon a 450 splash. Isn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, but I'm, I'm happy. I knew that they would always make it. You know, I, I knew it's just back then, not now. Back then, 2007, we were younger. I'm talking 10 years plus ago. I'm, I'm talking in a pasture. I didn't think that they really had the guts to go over. Yeah. And I'm glad they did. I really, I'm so proud of them. I mean, DJ Black is doing very well for himself now. He's, he's gone from WWE, very good friend of mine. I love the guy too, but he's doing very, very good for himself. You know, he's making name and he's making money. He's making dollars. Yeah. And each each, uh, each, and every promotion he works for, man, he's just one of the main main fights, main, main, main eventers. So he's definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of him. He's also, uh, for those of you uh, who follow him uh, on uh, social media as well, quite the, the daredevil, um, always uh, jumping out of an airplane somewhere or doing something crazy. Uh, do you have a daredevil side in you, Anunzi? When you mentioned now uh, doing jumping out of the plane, I actually switched off and I was thinking, we had a, we had a match booked here in South Africa, myself and PJ. Uh, I think it was about two years ago or something. Mm. I don't remember exactly. And uh, he came back to service, come and visit, and obviously we were going to do this one match where myself and him after all the years going to wrestle each other. And on a Saturday, he went base jumping in Johannesburg from the Ponty building in Hillbrow. He, he stood on top of the building, jumped off, 
with a shoot in his hand. And the shoot opened, and there the wind takes him and he crashes into one of the buildings and broke his, both his ankles. I'll never forget, he still phones me. It's like, Anandi, um, uh, we talk off his car and says, hey, bro, yes, Junior, what's up? I say, I could have problem. It's like, what's the problem? And it's like, nah, I think you're going to make it come. <laughs> so I go to his hotel, go pick him up, bro, there, I get him on bed with two broken ankles. I take him to the hospital and, yeah, we never get to do our one special match. I'm still waiting for it to go One day, one of these days, I know it's going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. So no, I, when no, you asked me the question, that's, I, I just had to share the story because absolutely. when you were talking base jumping, that's where I switched off. What was your <laughs> question, actually? Sorry. No, no, I love these stories, and that's what this podcast has to be all about, is these wrestling stories. I, I remember when I first broke into the business, I would sit and we'd have um, you know, just the social gathering with some of the guys, either before or after a show, and, and just hearing the stories, I love it, and, and, I, and I'm sure that the, the listeners are going to love these type of stories as well, so please don't apologize um, tell me as many of these stories as you possibly can. I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, myself. With, with, with yourself, is there a, dare, a daredevil side in, in, in you? Have you done anything that extreme? Yeah, I'm a adrenaline jam myself. Um, I like I like motocross. Now, the thing is, once you get married and your daughters get bigger, <laughs> you know, you that that stuff, you, you start putting it in the cupboard. You don't do it anymore. I'm the kind of guy who does bungee jumping as well, and uh, I've never done base jumping, ever. Um, but I want to go do skydiving. I have to it's on my bucket list. Uh, I did a lot of adventure rides with off-road motorbiking, you know, doing two, three hundred k's for the day. Getting five o'clock up in the morning, you go and you just—it's all the way. It's just mountains, and you just carry on until, until as far as you can come back. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that kind of stuff. You know, I like anything that is a challenge to you mentally, physically, that can bring up your adrenaline and say, yes, that was close. <laughs> I like that kind of stuff. We, we talked about um, PJ and, and um, you talked about um, PJ's dad, Pink Panther, as well. Um, I've often asked guys, I've, I've spoken to um, guys like Warlock, uh, Johan, as well as uh, Stephen Debus, uh, Tornado, uh, just about the influence that a guy like um, Paul Lloyd Sr. had um, that of course, Pink Panther, um, and with his promotions, um, what was what was your experience like um, getting to know um, Paul Senior and 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 how he ran uh, as a promoter? Because I know obviously now fast forward, you are uh, sort of a promoter in your own rights. What did you learn from um, Paul? From PJ Zed, um, first first things first, um, he was the kind of guy he looked after his boys. Doesn't matter what he did, how he did it. His boys came first. You know, he's talking to them. They always had gear on, proper gear. They always had proper merchandise on. They always sold the merchandise. Uh, and that's one thing I took from him. Look after your boys all the time. Um, yeah, man, I, I learned a lot. You know, he, he was the kind of guy that he didn't let any opportunity go past him. He was the kind of guy that takes each and every opportunity. And that's what I learned from him. When it comes to this business, you take it. You just go. Take it and go. Uh, yeah, I, I learned a lot from him as a, as a small boy. How old were you when he uh, tragically died? Um, I knew him from when I was about five, six years old. And I can't remember what year he passed on. Um, I can't remember. But I, I knew him till the very end. I think it was in the 90s somewhere. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about um, about your connection with um, WWP and, and branching out with APWA. Um, 
there's a lot of confusion, uh, and, and I think initially it was a lot of confusion about it uh, as to whether this was an independent promotion, whether it was a training center or training academy for the WWP at the time. What was the, what was the idea behind um, APWA, and, and how did that come about for you? Again, it basically all started when I went to um, the United States of America. So first things first, we were we, we were on TV, and Abdul Kala and Mark Bill planned a title run for me with the world, world title, the WWP World Heavyweight Championship. And uh, unfortunately, I had to give him the news that I'm going to overseas. And I could see first Mark wasn't too happy, but he was happy for me living my dream and going over. But he wasn't happy because he had so much plans for me with, with the WWP World Heavyweight Championship. And uh, Abdul Kalba was the one who said, yeah, man, just go, just go, just go. <laughs> anyway, so I made him a deal. I said, you know what, I'll go. I'm, and I'm not sure for how long I'm going over, but I'll give you my word. When I come back, I'm going to open up the Pro Wrestling Academy, and I'll call it the APWA, which is going to stand for Amandi's Pro Wrestling Academy. And then I will affiliate myself with, with WWP. And... Uh, yeah, so when I came back from the States, um, everything was as planned. I went to Mark and said, well, I'm back for good now, so are we going to carry on with our affiliation? He said, yes, uh, what do you want from me? I said, Mark, well, I've done some homework back then. A wrestling ring was going to cost me 50,000 rand. Yeah. I'm not there. And that was in 2010. And Mark said, you know what, I've got a ring for you. Just go fetch it as long as you keep on affiliated with us. So our little contract that we had was, you're going to give me a ring? When I got the ring there from the Wendy Stadium, it was just a steel frame with with uh, one rope. I had to put everything. But anyway, I, I got a steel frame, got a rope, and I just make it properly. And um, or train it all if I have to. Then I started a pro wrestling academy. That's where all the guys started training. Then when they, for the first time in South Africa, well, in Johannesburg, they had a proper wrestling academy where. Back in the day, the guys usually just put up a ring in someone's backyard and that's where they were trained because it was so kayfabe. Nobody knew where they were, what they're doing. Yeah. It was, everything was so private, you know? So I was one of the first guys doing an academy in Johannesburg. And um, then I think it was 2010 or 2011, uh, 2011, I think beginning of 2011, we lost a contract on SABC2 because of political reasons. Uh, you know, the situation in South Africa. And then um, I just had to look at myself, you know. I, I didn't break ties with anybody. All I did is I just re registered my company as APWA, um, African Punishment Wrestling Association. Just in case. I never knew which direction we're going to go with, with, with WP, who's going to fall flat or what's going to happen. So I just kept on running with the APWA, but still affiliated to, to um, WWP. And yeah, uh, so basically my whole commitment to Mark was just plain loyalty, man. It was mm -hmm. just, my, my word is my honor, and that's yes. how it went from there. Uh, two years ago, we, we closed down the company, WWP, or not, uh, we, Mark Bill closed down the company. There was other politics problems going on with him and the other partner. And then uh, he started CPW and he offered me shares. So currently I'm 20% shareholder in the CPW, Championship Pro Wrestling. And um, by just doing the technical side of stuff, you know, just mm -hmm. running the wrestling school. Uh, we, we've got plans for other wrestling schools that's going to pop up very, very soon. Awesome. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where it is. It, it is what it is, man. That's my relationship with Warfield. So we, we, we kind of have a, a business relationship, but it's more loyalty than anything. Um, like I said, Mark has always been looking after me. I, 
I can't say anything bad. I, I can't talk for the other people out there. But when it comes to me, one-on-one, I can't talk the same language. If you've yeah. ever done in somebody or anything, you've always been a man of his word to me. But that's why I'm still committed to, to Mark Bill. Absolutely. And the whole WWK now called CPW. Let's talk about some of the guys that, that have come through your, your training academy. Um, who are some of the first guys that graduated or sort of were trained um, by yourself uh, back uh, in the APWA early days? Well, the first guy that actually broke into the business that made it solely, so, I solely trained um, Angelico. Do you know that? Absolutely. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Who he, he doesn't know him? Absolutely. He's doing very well He's now with incredible uh, tag in, partner. Uh, yeah, in AEW. Very, very interesting story. He's uh, originally from Spain. Yeah. He came to South Africa to visit his grand uh, that stayed in Johannesburg, Alton. He came down uh, to South Africa. He, he hooked us up on internet. I remember I still met him in Durban for the first time. So he from from Johannesburg, he went to Durban. We did a couple of training sessions. And at that time, when I did this transition from Durban back to Johannesburg, opening up the school year, uh, he was my very first student. And he was with me for about two years, if, I, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Then he went overseas, he went to Mexico, mm. and from there he just grew. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, he's one of my my favorite guys at the moment. Fav- one of my favorite guys to wrestle at, uh, against as well. If you ever met a guy with wrestling passion, that's the guy, man. That's the guy. And those are the guys, yeah, that, um, that, that, those yeah. are the guys that normally make it in this business. Um, the thing that stood out to me there was the fact that um, he had the commitment to go all the way from Johannesburg down to Durban um, to train. And I, I think sometimes, and, and I've, I know uh, with back in the XWE as well, um, we'd get so many requests from guys that want to be superstars, but they weren't willing to put in the work. They weren't willing to make any sort of a sacrifice um, to you know achieve anything in the business. And um, yeah, uh, Angelico making that uh, trip down there and spending the time there to train, I think that just speaks volumes about his passion, as you said now. Um, for the business, and, and that's why he's yeah. been successful. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at him, he doesn't even have a family member that, or a second, he's not a second generation wrestler, nothing. Yeah. He's pure bread, man. He was the kind of guy, I, I will never forget, his favorite was Matt Hardy, and uh, um, uh, the, the, the crazy brother that jumps, <laughs> jumps over, Jeff Hardy, Jeff yeah, Hardy, Jeff. Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy. Jeff so that was his favorite, and if you look at his style back when he broke into the business, you'll see a lot of that stuff comes from then. Yeah. But, he, like you said, he comes from Spain to visit his grandma, go to Durban. I remember there was one or two nights that myself and him went to bed without food or anything, you know. Yeah. Came to Joburg, we started out, or I started out the Pro Wrestling Academy, and he was one of my first students, and he was just supporting me every, every time and every day. When we put up the ring, he was the one helping me. And I had no money to pay him. Hmm. That's how much passion he had. And today, if you look where he's at, I mean, that's pure passion, man. Nobody, Absolutely. nobody, not a friend, nobody put a word in for him. Everywhere he goes, he must put his own word in there, his own CV, everything. So if, if you want to see, if you want to talk about somebody that really broke into the business by himself, that's the guy. That's the guy. He's the one who made it by himself. Absolutely. Very good guy. Eh? Absolutely. And obviously, um, I know you're trying to be humble about it, but obviously you got a, a, a large part in that. Um, I know we've spoken about it um, over the last couple of months and just, I've, I've watch the superstars that have been coming out of the APWA at the moment. Um, uh, Matthew Hamar, absolutely love that guy to death. He is just phenomenally talented. 
Um, just great mind for the business. I love calling his match um, yeah. not too long ago against Visa. And uh, another guy that's just gone from not, from zero to um, incredible in a very short space of time. And, and the, of course, the other guy that's on everybody's lips at the moment, Elisio, uh, if I'm saying that uh, correctly, um, he's just phenomenal as well. And uh, those guys all coming through your academy, and I'm not going to take anything away from them, but obviously, you know, you, you can't train yourself. So obviously something that you're doing there, you're, you're doing a really great job. It's, the guys, I'm, I'm a very weird guy when it comes to that kind of stuff. I, if, if I meet somebody and he tells me he wants to be a pro wrestler, everybody wants to be a pro wrestler, but not everybody is a pro wrestler. Absolutely. So purely, if, if, if you have passion for this business, you already made it. I'd say about 55%. Yeah. You, you've, let's say 65%, you've made it. Yeah. Um, talking about the guys who made it, all your guys, except now Cape Town guys, but all you guys in, in, in the rest of South Africa who really made it, um, they come out of my wrestling school, man. And some of them even run their own companies right now. Yeah. And I mean, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that I teach as a guy. I, I, I don't teach a guy to become a pro wrestler, this means that means this. I teach him how to live your dream and go for it. So be a, be a go-getter. At the end of the day, they look back and, they, and if they look back and say, oh, shit, this is how far I came with this business. And... <laughs> that's what I do then. I motivate them to go. But Joe, you're right. Um, getting back to Matthew and Elisa, Mandisa, RJ, all these guys, there's so much passion and that, that's, that is what makes them just apart from the rest of the guys. They are really, man. They, they're very, very good. Absolutely. The thing is, when they, you can see when the wrestler listens. All I do, I give them a lot of lecturing, a lot of lecturing, a lot of lecturing. If they want to come up with high fancy moves, I show them what I can. You know, that's high risk, high risk stuff. Yeah. For somebody that had a, uh, a back operation and had a shoulder injury um, operation, on two ligaments on my feet, um, ankles, wrists, I'm not the kind of guy that wants to show them high risky stuff. I'll give them my input, lecture them, and then they must take it from there. They must know it's all there, not me. The, one of the things that really caught everyone's attention um, last year was that uh, Steel Steps uh, tag match that was absolutely incredible, absolutely insane I I totally freaked out when I watched that I just thought it was one of the best matches that I've seen in South Africa um, who came up with, yeah. the, with the match, the layout um, of the match, was that something where you had your input or, or was that the guys just really knocking it out of the park? Right, so I, I had a couple of ideas that I ran with the guys, and then one I'd met to hammer called me a said, and I've got this idea of this tornado six cent tag. I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, this tornado tag with a steel steps tag. I'm like, uh, yes, just just explain to me what you got. <laughs> and then he explained to me, and I thought to myself, I'm a little bit old school, but I'm always one for something new. I mean, this is this is going to be a the show at Donny Fontel at our home where our academy is based. Yeah. This is not going to be on the road in uh, in front of a pay crowd, people paying to come watch wrestling. So this, we kind of did a charity show for that because I do, well, we, the APWA, does a lot for the community. Yeah. You know? um, so basically we had a free show. We, we feed the children and we give them some entertainment, do some motivational speeches for them to get off the streets and join wrestling or do karate or boxing, whatever. Um, so when he came up with this idea, I was like, Okay, so nobody can complain. 
I'm the show organizer. Yeah. I'm the only one who can complain. Yeah. Let's try this. So I gave him, I said, Matt, you and Alex, and we see you guys doing this, this, this match. Just be safe and be spectacular. Yeah. And that's it, man. That's it. I, I didn't put anything else. The boys came up with their own stuff. And I was, I feel like you, I was marking out about this match. Yeah. I can't take any credit for this match, you know. I was the one who sanctioned it and, and the one who promoted it, yes, but it wasn't a, a big show, like I say. And damn, man, that, that was the show of the year. I mean, all the shows that we did in casinos, there was in universities, there was on TV, all the shows, the big, uh, all the big shows that we did last year, that was the match of the year. I don't care who says what. Aye. That was definitely South Africa's match of the year. Absolutely. I haven't watched every match that took place. Um... But um, obviously, a lot of it has been able to be seen through social media and things like that. And I, I completely agree. Did you know the match was being recorded? Uh, some of it, yeah. I even, you know, halfway through the match, because I was doing the commentating work, halfway through the match, when I found myself, I was standing next to the room with my cell phone, taking some clips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't plan for the whole match to be recorded. So, yeah, that was, I was caught off guard as well. Um, but what an amazing match. Absolutely. What an amazing Absolutely match. Absolutely a happy coincidence. Um, and also then, yes, man, definitely. For, for me personally, having the opportunity to call Matthew and Visa's match, um, uh, that was part of the TV taping, um, over at Rockstar Wrestling, um, great storytelling. And again, I just, I see Matthew's fingerprints all over that, um, a great mind for the business, someone who follows the business. I remember the first time I, I met Matthew Hammer was, uh, also you were there as well as, um, uh, well, Tristan, um, that was the first time I met you, right? That's correct. That's correct. Um, yeah. Um, and and just, <laughs> watching, just watching Matthew and um, uh, Tristan, uh, TJ Tremor, that the last the name came to me, uh, watching uh, Matthew yeah, and, yeah, that's and, right. and TJ um, speaking about that, I really could notice their passion, both of those guys, and, and that they are. They study the business. They they watch um, the Japanese wrestling. They watch AEW. They watch WWE. All of these things and, and just soak up as much as they can. Um, that's why I, when I got the opportunity to call that uh, matchup, I I just had an absolute blast. I thought it was one of the great, great matches that I've had an opportunity to to uh, ring announce, commentate, whatever. Um, for it again, I cannot yeah. say enough about how incredible uh, Matthew Amor is, and he's getting a big opportunity to show that now with uh, Slam Force as well. Um, coming up uh, at the end of next month, uh, the second uh, Slam Force show, uh, he's teaming with Elysio to take on Crime Time, uh, former WWE Tag Team Champions. What, how did that come about? Um, did they did they come to you beforehand? Did, did they uh, sort of um, acknowledge this with yourself? Uh, and how did that all come about? Uh, once again, um, my pro wrestling academy and my little APWA, my vision and my goal is for the guys to get out and live their dream. Yeah. So I was the one who motivated them from, from the beginning. When this whole Sand Force thing was advertised, uh, I said, guys, this is the situation of this guys. I don't know them. I've never met them. Yeah. I don't know who they are. Yeah. But for what it's worth sending the series. And, um, yeah, the guys, you know, we've got a, we've got a small brotherhood and it's very, like, a very tight brotherhood. So the guys came back to me and said, well, we've got a reply. This is a reply. And I didn't mean, we, we, I sent in some stuff as well because I don't know who this guy is. I want to meet him. In South Africa, <laughs> I want to know who's where in South Africa was wrestling. Yeah. And I, I, my personal reply from him was kind of a cut-off thing. 
and I was told what to do and how to do it. But it's okay. I take it from them. Um, you know, uh, I learned a lot out of that thing. Yeah. And um, even even that, I showed to the boys. I showed to them. This is my reply. What's your reply? So everybody had some replies. Yeah. And I'm I'm from my side. I'm really excited for them. You know, um, all their work in the ring. I'm not going to take any credit for them. I must take any credit for anything that's just psychology. Yeah. I'm a psychology freak, and it's how to turn a good, solid story in a match. And with them watching and learning all this stuff on, on, on Japanese circuits, American circuits, all this stuff, coming to the academy, put us all together just to show them in and out how to be safe and land that move and to execute that move. So putting all, all this, this stuff together is a kind of magic. And putting this magic out there to all the other companies and just to see them grow because they're young, they're in their 20s. Yeah. Just to see them grow, I'm very excited, you know. Uh, I don't know how long I've got over in this, in this wrestling business. Uh, I've got a lot of other business opportunities. I'm not going to quit anytime soon, that I can be honest, but yeah. you never know. In South Africa, our circumstances, as it is, I get, I'm very limited with my time to get to my wrestling academy each and every training session. You know, I, I make it every now and again because I've got other business commitments that I do. Um, but for me, getting there, giving the advice, then using it, that's where they are today. And you'll see, all these other companies, they're going to use the boys. Oh, because I've got guys that've got passion for this business, they listen, they're humble, and they are team players. Um, they're going to do amazingly well. I think you're looking at that card um, coming up the end of next month, and you've got great names on there like Crime Time, Sabu, uh, Ken Shamrock. But there's no doubt in my mind that this, the match that should probably and will probably steal the show will be that tag team match with, with Matt and Alessio. Um, I'm, I'm super excited, um, the fan in me, to, to be able to watch that match. I want to call that match. Um, I, I promise you I've, I've messaged them as well. I, I'd love to, to do the, the play-by-play on that match. I just think it's going to be phenomenal. Um, talking about phenomenal, you had a phenomenal year last year as well um, in terms of um, affiliation with the um, AWA um, and of course, they had that t- collision tours, and um, I think that was something that really broke grounds as well in South Africa. Um, I believe probably the first um, wrestling locally to perform at the uh, Grand Arena uh, at Grand West Casino as well. Uh, what was your takeout from that, and, and how did Sean uh, approach you to be part of this show? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. First of all, yes, last year was a very, very good year for me. But now the, the injury that I picked up, my whole December, my whole holiday was everything. My whole family, I took on vacation, was just resting money. Now that I hosted any shows, the shows that I wrestled at. So, yes, it was a very good year for me where, where, where I was actually physically involved in doing a wrestling match. Um, Take of all, our short approach for me was, was kind of funny. We've got a SA, SA wrestling reunion group on our WhatsApp. Yeah. So we chat under the boys. You know, the old school boys, we were, we were going to, we did arrange a reunion. Yeah. So that was going to take place at Even Devil's Place. The Cliff's Place, yes, that's by the Rockstar Wrestling. Yes. So we all put minds together, opening this thing, and that's where we all started chatting. It was kind of difficult because myself and another promoter, we had some ease at a time because of recent shows that, that gets quoted half the price that I usually quote. But anyways, yeah. let's leave that for another day. <laughs> yeah. Um so there were some of the promoters on there, and then when Sean came up with this collision tour, Clan Force was coming up with their thing, 
I'm like, holy shit, who's all those guys popping up? TSW and Sandfors. Who's the promoters? Where they come from? I'm, you know, I thought in, in South Africa, I know all the people that in South Africa yeah. on, on the business side of things, but surprise, surprise, you never told to learn. Anyway, um, so I asked Sean, you know, I, I didn't ask him to be on the show to wrestle. Yeah. I just asked him, Sean, if, if I go there, uh, is it possible for you to arrange me some tickets for myself and the boys who would like to come and meet the guys and be part of it? So he, he phoned me up personally, one-on-one, straight talks. And I respect Sean for that. He's always a guy, he's always a quiet guy. You'll never see him get involved on social media, on any politics, anything, very professional. Even if you go to his locker room, the guys are so passionate in his locker room. You know, they, 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 they're a very tight brotherhood. Loyal. And I love him and respect him for that as well. Yeah. And uh, Sean called me up and said, hey, man, uh, what is the situation with you and this person? Like, no, there's no situation in this fire. What, what's happening? We said, no, well, I want to know because... If you got no shit, if you got no beef, why don't you join us on the collusion tour? Like, well, Sean, I'm, I'm all business, I'll do that, yeah? yeah. And um, that's how it worked. He phoned me up, he gave me the deal, and, and I went. I took it on. Obviously, phoned, uh phoned my guys, and I went to the, to the wrestling academy. It's like, you guys, uh, this is the situation. Are you guys all right with that? So, my little brother, everybody was okay with it. I said, well, that's me, I'm going. You know, I'm going to work there. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's how it worked. And I'm happy I've done that, you know? Yeah. Because all this bullshit, all this politics, you must get out of wrestling, man. Yeah. There's no space for that. At the end of the day, we need to make wrestling grow bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, we, we all have to be one big, big family. If it's now Pretoria, if it's Johannesburg, Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, India, Nigeria, wherever. We all have to be one big family. We don't need this political shit and all this arguments and all this fights. But um, for me going there, it opened a lot of doors for other guys as well, you know, um, go work there with, with him as well and to see that we're all business and we're not we're not guys for the political stuff as well so yeah um, it was an amazing show for me it was uh, i really enjoyed it the way sean Kuhn and um his partner look after me was, was was an amazing deal when i went to cape town they actually took me to table mountain with with international wrestlers to do some sightseeing all my food was covered everything i was I was treated like a real, real superstar. It's just unfortunate when we came to Johannesburg, I was booked to wrestle for the championship against JP and um, Tava. And one of the most stupidest freak accidents in my whole life happened. I thought this stuff just happens to other people, but never say <laughs> it will happen not to you. Yeah. So the guy just put me, Tava just put me in a suplex right in the beginning of the match and my, my foot, my foot gripped the second rope and it snapped right off, man. All the ligaments. And yeah, that was the end of the collision tour. For me, it ended in a bad way, but it was still a good experience. So you say this happened early on in the matchup. Did you finish the match? Did you continue wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when the accident happened. It was, if you check out my Anandi fan page on, on, on Facebook, you get up to like the page, check it out. Yeah. Um, there's a small video clip there where he throws me in a suplex and you'll check the referee freaks out because you can hear it's kind of like a small gunshot. <sighs> He came to me, are you okay? I said, no, my, my knee's off. And it's like, you want to stop? I was like, no, no, not yet. Just give me a minute. <laughs> so we went to Tava. He said, Tava, don't touch his knee. Don't touch his knee. Yeah. Tava didn't hear properly. He thought, I tell the ref to go tell him to come and to get my on, knee. So Tava comes back, he grabs my leg. <laughs> and he works your knee, man. Work the leg, work Shit, the I'm leg. I'm still trying to figure out if, yes, what, just wait, is this guy really out yet to hurt me? Or what is he? And he's like, Tom, I'm hurt. Okay, sorry, man. And he walks away, he works JP further. It was, it was kind of funny. And um, 
So Tobo very professional. He came to me yeah. in, in the match. He's like, are you okay? Can we, can, uh, can we still carry on with you? Or should we work out what's going on? Yeah. Just just carry on. Just carry on. Um, when he threw me to the ropes, and I did a whole swing, I tried to run. I feel no, I can't. There's nothing mm. on this knee left. Yeah. There's nothing. And um, even when after the match, I finished the whole match. Yeah. So right at the end. And JP, after the match, came to me and man, you, you're a legend, man. Absolutely. You're doing so good. Uh, I'm... What a great guy, I must be honest. Um, yeah. What a great guy. Anyways, in, in the locker room, when I took out my, my, my wrestling gear, I took my knee guard off and I took it out. My knee was supported and kept together by my knee guard. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Crazy, crazy. So, and my ACL, my PCL, and my niscus was snapped off. It wasn't torn, it was snapped. Yeah. So, I had nothing that's keep, except my, skin, my skin and my muscle that's keeping the leg together. So when I walked, I lost control out of my, my leg. It was just going all the way backwards. It was so freaky. Yeah, and so the next day, I still had to drive home like that, alone, believe it or not. <laughs> and um, the next day, but everybody, they didn't thought it so serious. Yeah. Because they said, to get an ambulance, I said, no, I can still walk. It's okay. Yeah, I see. And I feel bad because, yeah, they feel bad because they feel they didn't do the proper stuff, but they, they looked off me very well. Oh, I was a hot ass. I yeah. should have just down and get ambulance and yeah anyways the next i went for the operation and i was i was in, in the first two weeks i was okay week three i kind of got a, uh, a depression uh it really it really gave me a backslide in my life i started drinking again and yeah. starting smoking cigarettes again and taking painkillers and, and mm. sleeping tablets and then i was clean for six years yeah. six many years i didn't take anything like that and i but yeah, I'm again. I'm standing up. I'm fine. The, the holidays is over. I'm, I know what I did wrong, so I'm back on track again. But it's this kind of thing in life that it just makes you humble and just makes you realize that, you know, just just appreciate the small things in life. Yeah, yeah. And I know. Um, yeah. So I know we were gonna we were gonna do this um, show a few times, and obviously you mentioned being in a bit of a of a bad space, and obviously that also played a, a role yeah. in that. Um, if if you're open to it, I'd I'd like to just touch on on that um, bad times. And I'm, when I say the bad times, I'm I'm talking seven plus years ago, because um, I don't know that much about it. But I know there was a time where things weren't that well personally for you. Are you open to talk about that? Yeah, man, I'm open to it. You know, of course I am. You know, because that that bad situations back then. Now it was very bad. Yeah. I'm not proud of it, but I've yeah. done it. But that's now, now today, that's my testimony. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm open for it. Then, any question, you're welcome. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think one of the things that I've realized since then is is how that has affected you as a Christian um, and, and and the faith that you have. And I think that if you hadn't gone through that, you you probably wouldn't be the the person that you are today. And um, yeah, again, you might not have been you know that relationship with God that you have now. Uh, so I, I think that that was necessary more than likely for you to go through that time. But where did that come about? Was that sort of life on the road uh, that sort of started the, the, the drinking and things like that? There's so much to blame, but at, at the end of the day, you can't blame anything but yourself. It's yeah. just purely a choice that you make and yeah. stupid choices. Um, in a nutshell, I come out of a very, very good house. I've got a corporate mother that's still in corporate business today. I've got a dad that was a, a, he was on the wars, he was an Angola war, 
He came out of Angola. He was big chief in, in the traffic department. He was in the Rockies. So he's a very military guy, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So if, if I must put you in a picture in my house, everything was on its place. And my dad was the kind of guy, you have to finish school. You're not allowed to stay off sick. So I had a 12-year. Um, yeah, I've never been absent for 12 years from grade one till grade 12. Yeah. Um, that's my dad's motivation. And he always said, you know, of course, you must play school rugby or sports at school, and then you have to. You will do a... a uh, outside school sports yeah. by my choice. Yeah. So back then I, I did karate and I did amateur wrestling for a couple of years and I went back to karate, did very well in karate. Um, I landed up six in the world of karate. Uh, so when I was at age 20 years, I did karate and I was doing pro wrestling. Yeah. And there was this other lady in my life, she fell pregnant and then I had a daughter. And then um, this lady, I, was, I caught her with another guy. And uh, I couldn't understand because back then I was still on TV. I was doing this, you know, I was doing the Thunderstrike deals. Yeah. I had a nice cars, I had a nice place to live. And this lady left me for a drug addict, yeah. uh, a junkie. Yeah. And I couldn't understand. So the first time in my life that I never realized back then that I realized now, that was my first thing of rejection. And when we did this whole separation thing, the more I was on the road and the more I see how the guys party and I got involved with it. And I'll never forget, I, re I read the book of Rick Flair, Be the Man, You Got to Be the Man. Yeah. And uh, there was one story in his book where his wife is saying, back then, him and a guy came from the road. And they were supposed to do uh, a double dating. And then the two experts never came home. And then when she left to go get them some food because they were out to go on a date and to go to dinner. Yeah. And they, they stayed out so late that they decided to go get food and they're going to call it a night. And when they got back, Rick Flair's one partner was on the floor and Rick Flair was in, in, in the kitchen in his vomit. And, but the guy on the outside that was on the floor was barking like a dog. And I thought, this is hilarious. But that's how drunk Rick Flair then got. Yeah. That's one of their stories. Absolutely. So in my mind, not mature, I thought, this is the right way for a wrestler to live his life. Yeah. You must be a party. To be the man, you've got to beat the man. Absolutely. And I thought, that's what you need to do. And I got involved with the alcohol, and then I read Eddie Guerrero's biography, and I thought, you know, taking a painkiller, a painkiller there, and, and the thing is, I never finished the book till the end. I yeah. never finished till the punchline. Yes. <laughs> That's the problem. So now, like, years later, when I go finish the book, I'm like, oh my fuck, why didn't I finish it when I was younger? I can't blame Eddie Guerrero, I can't blame Nick Flair, I can't blame anybody but Sal, but it was the first time in my life that I was actually dealing with rejection for the first time in my life. Yeah. And for me to escape reality, the booze was the way. Yes. Got more involved in the booze and I was from from a Friday night became a Saturday night and from a Saturday night became a Sunday night and, and, and it just grew on me. And then I was drinking three, four days nonstop. Not drinking for three, four days, then drinking for three, four days. So I was I was kind of a bench drinker. Yeah. But that's where that's where it get a bit off me. And then one year became two years, two years became three years and next time when I see my daughter was grown up like, what the heck's going on? And I was, I was making so much problems everywhere. And at that time, I got involved with um, debt collecting work. Mm -hmm. I worked at nightclubs as well. So I was living that lifestyle, yeah. if it makes any sense to you. So I was, yeah, yeah, exposed to, I to the Deep inside, I want to get away from it. But my lifestyle back then was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. What, and then, what, was um, the, what was the trigger for you um, that sparked the change? 2009. For the first time, we uh, we've got a guy, uh, um, 
a very well-known pastor in South Africa called Angus Buckham. Yeah. So he, he arranged this Mighty Men conferences. So, yeah. you know, monkey see, monkey do. So my friends went to this. I said, well, let me just go just for the whatever. Let me just go check it out. And there is where I had my first meeting with God, man. You know, I, I will never forget that. I was still looking at the sunset over the mountains. And I was thinking, what am I doing with my life? Why am I throwing everything away? Yeah. So while I was saying that to myself in my head, this other pastor or another guy, a guy that I don't know from a bar of soap, he comes through and says, hey kid, you know what? You can give your life to Christ right now if you want to. You don't have to stand and wait. Because I can see and I can tell you're going, there's a lot, of going, a lot of stuff going through your head right now. Yeah. But it was as if this guy, because Angus Buckham was going to preach on a Saturday, and this was the Friday. So the Friday night when the sun sets, I was thinking at all this stuff. So Saturday, am I actually going to give this a try? To give my life to Christ or am I just going to waste my time? That, that was the stuff that was going through my life, you know. Like, just give it, just give it a try because you've got nothing to lose. You know, you, you're throwing your life away, you're drinking it away. Just give it a try. And that's when this guy came up to me. It's like, hey, you uh, he doesn't know my name or anything. He said, like, just, if you want to give your life to Christ, you can do it right now. So that for me was like, this is kind of magic. Where does this come from? This is supernatural stuff. Um, this is weird. Yeah. Uh, he said, can I pray for you? And uh, he prayed for me and that was it, man. That's where the big change came. From there, yes, I'm a reborn Christian, but I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not, this, I'm not this perfect guy. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not Jesus. I'm Quivers. I'm a nunji. <laughs> I'm, I'm myself. Um, I've got Christ in me. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that all of us, we will backslide. We will make mistakes. Yeah. We're going to go through bad times. Not everything is going to be a good time. I'm not the, I'm not the supernatural guy that's walking on water. Yeah. I'm just this normal guy with a little bit of love in me. And I'm still a raw diamond, you know. I'm working on it every day. Although it's a couple of years ago, I'm still working on it every day. I still backslide. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from there, it's just, I, I really love the Lord, man. If, if it wasn't for the Lord, you know, um, I don't know where I would have been. A couple of years ago, seven years ago, I've, I've basically lost a lot of my stuff, you know, a lot of my life went through divorce and into bad situations in my life. And once again, I said, Lord, you need to, you need to step in now. I want to see if you are real. And from there, I started other businesses. I started, currently, I'm, I'm running my own auctions, on Andy auctions. I've yeah. got a second-hand shop that I'm running. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm busy with the, with the movie right now that I can't go too much detail in. Yeah, the Lord has just blessed me so much, so so much. Absolutely, and but yeah, in those it's in those yeah. um, difficult times where where He tests us to see, and and if you make it through and you persevere and, and just have that faith in Him, uh, you know, obviously um, He will reward you. And then not to make this a whole religious podcast, because we could probably start one of those as well. But absolutely yeah, yeah. incredible to see how that um, has changed your life and. And I proudly wear the shirt that you gave me um, at the Collision Tour as well. And, and that symbol, that, the cross symbol on there, obviously a big symbol of, of your faith. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing to, to hear that story. And I think I, I really wanted to, to touch on that because I'm sure there's somebody listening to this podcast that, that might be in that same space. It might even be somebody that we know in the business. It, it might be someone that comes to watch uh, us perform that might be going through that same thing and, and just to know. That, that there is a basically an outcome to that dark space, to that to that whatever the addiction might be, whether it be drinking, whatever the case might be, you know that there is a way out yeah, there. Yeah. 
and and and, and it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. And as recently you you sort of uh, slipped up a little bit there, but you were able to realize that and catch yourself back up. Um, and as you said, you're you're not perfect, and nobody is, uh, and mistakes are gonna be yeah. made. But I'm just, I'm I'm thankful that you're willing to share that here. Um, yeah, just incredible testimony. Um, so before we, we did the podcast, I opened up um, on uh, Facebook to some questions, and there was a, quite a few general questions coming through um, as to uh, sort of the questions about who was your favorite opponent um, and things like that. Is there a specific guy that you, you had a great working relationship with um, that, that you maybe were married to in the ring or that? Yes, I know. I learned a lot. Carl, uh, you, you have an interesting thing, thing about it. Um, each and every opponent is different. And it, it makes it really hard for me to say who's my favorite. Because every time I go out there, it's, it's, it's a different experience. I know that I've been married to Terry Madeau for a very long time. And he was the one who put, when I was on the road, he, he was the one who actually put Ananda over as a, as a face. Yeah. He's the one that I'm working as a face. Because when I started out, I was a heel. Yeah. And I loved working as a heel. All the time, <laughs> I, was, I was working heel. I remember I was married to Kilimanjaro. Yeah. And my job was to put Kilimanjaro over everywhere we go because of political reasons in South Africa. Yes. And um, I did an extremely good job, I think. Uh, uh, Anandi, not yeah. me. Anandi character was the one yeah. building the Kilimanjaro character. Yes. So, and I loved working with him. You know, getting all those booze. You know, we're going to a... In Afrikaans, white city, and I'm getting booed. That was fun for me. <laughs> and then I had to work Terry Madeau. And just Terry is such a good freaking heel that you can't over heal him. He's amazing. You but, can't. But, how do you, but the question that I've always had, and I, um, I've had the opportunity to, to know Uncle Terry as well uh, and to work with him as well. Uh, how do you keep a straight face around him? He is the funniest person. Oh, man. <laughs> That's true, man. That's so, and that's why I say that's so, that's why it's so difficult for me to choose who was my favorite. You know, earlier in our whole conversation, this podcast, I mentioned that one of my favorites to work with was Angelica yes. because he's a high risk guy. I can yeah. I can do any move with him, yeah. and he can do any move with me. Yeah. And that's what sets him apart from the Kilimanjaro guy, and that's what sets him apart of the the Terry Madoga. The Terry Madoga guy. Coming back to your question, is you said I don't know where he gets his ideas from. <laughs> he's, he's so on the spot, so on the open, you know, if, yeah. if we do a move and then all of a sudden he gets out and he goes to this one lady and he gives us some threat talk, I'm like, where does it come with all this saying? Does he lay awake at night and think about what he's going to stay in the ring? Or, hey man, it's so hard to keep a straight face with him. But yeah. one thing is, if, if you want to be a super, superstar in South Africa, we'll tell him about it. He will Absolutely. put you over as a face. Yeah, yeah, man, it's not even true, especially on a live show. Yeah, especially on a live road show. He's the he's one of my my favorites to work with. He's the one. He's the reason because I'm using the clap clap song and his whole traditional Donny Fuchs footstep thing. Because I, back then I was doing the Anandi kind of an African thing, and it was a yeah. mythological folk kind of thing. Yes. But Terry Madeau came up with this whole line of Africa thing. He was the one planting the seeds back then. I must be honest. In in, in Congo. And uh, he's the one getting the clap clap song. And yeah, but he was a good guy to work with. He's a guy that, that puts you, he sets you apart from the boys to the men, if, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a great guy to lift your whole, to change your career in a different direction. Uh, one of the questions that I, that I also got here was about international promotions. 
do you follow the do you, do you follow international wrestling um, and is there a specific company whether it be WWE or Impact or, or AEW or, or Japanese New Japan is there something is there one of those that you really follow yes um, okay it's, it's kind of hard for me um, it's going to be like a, a double standard question answer this so because of my other business that I'm running it's, I'm very limited on time I'm not sure you know how hard it was to get a hold of me exactly. just doing a podcast getting out of a merry day but um, my time is very limited. So if I want to watch AWE and TNA, all those kind of stuff, I have to go on my phone on the internet to watch it. Yeah. And when, when I'm at home, me and my wife got this thing, we put our phones aside. Yeah. So only time I can do it when, when I'm actually in bed or she's in bed and then I must go sit in. Now I'm not going to sit in my kitchen or my dining room or my living room 12 o'clock at night watching AEW. Yeah. What I will do is I'll watch on notifications when I'm taking a dump on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I go through, scroll through my Facebook just to check the highlights and stuff, then I, I follow a little bit. But yeah. when I'm in my bed and I flip the channels and my wife's not watching anything, I'll go because I've got DSTV at home yeah. and the WWE, I put it on WWE channel. So that's what I watch. I'm a fan of this business. Um, yeah. um, for me, it's hard to, to choose a favorite company. It's hard yeah. for me to say who's the best. Because... Each and every company is unique in their own way. I, I, I'm a big fan of independent wrestling. I like it because those guys are the ones who's really, really passionate about it. Not that the WWE guys is not. They are very passionate as, as well. Yeah. Um, I think they are there because of their passion, Absolutely. to be honest. But it's just, I like the way the guys put their bodies on the line. You know, that, yeah. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, so, like I said, it's going to be a double-stated answer. I'm a big fan of it. I do follow if I do get a time. But if I go home, I will not really put on something special. It's just I put it on the WWE channel. That's it. That's what I watch. Absolutely. And obviously the the Bay TV channel. Have you have you seen the CPW on Bay TV? I watch them all the time. Absolutely, I've I've watched that as well. Um, and that actually leads me to the next question here. Um, there was uh, someone asking about the the Wrestle Monster shows. Um, they want to know which was the biggest event for you so far, including the Champions of War show, um, and uh, if, what was your favorite Wrestle Monster for you? Oh, that's odd. That's odd. Um, sure. I said one of my favorite ones was was the day when I won the Commonwealth Championship uh, because my wife was with me. It was very special. She was actually dressed as my diva. She had all outfit on, so. She got that whole feeling and that whole experience to to see yeah. what it's about being, being involved in pro wrestling. That was the cage match. Yes, that's yes. correct. And I was working tornado and uh, it uh, exterminated that day. So what was so cool about it? My family, my my, my mom's yeah. side family, they were there ringside as well. So I had about 20, 20 black family family members there watching and shouting at me on on that day. And um, even on that day, oh man, here we go again. I fell wrong and I fell on my arm. I did it across body. And so Tornado got in the air and he gave me a drop kick. So I dropped down and I broke my arm on my elbow. And I finished the whole match with a broken arm. But it was special because my wife was there, my family was there, and I finished the first time with a bad, bad injury in my whole match. So that's definitely one of my favorite matches. But the opponents was kind of shit, I must be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get a worse opponent than Tornado, eh? <laughs> <laughs> if I could choose my opponent, I would have changed it. That's a dude. Uh, I'm sure when he listens to this, he's gonna laugh. 
Uh, yeah, they 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 know why. They know why. They know exactly why. <laughs> Lynn, we've, we've sort of spoken about this throughout the podcast, but this question comes from uh, our good friend Johnny Palazzio. Um, uh, he wanted to get your take on the state of, of, of South African wrestling at the moment. Um, so let's just rehash in that quickly. Uh, where do you see South African wrestling at the moment? And I want to sort of preference this with, uh, um, I'm not sure how many podcasts you listen to, but... Um, Obviously, whenever there's a someone like PJ or, or that on a podcast, I want to listen to it because you know, um, home pride and, and you know, girl, that's your country guy or whatever. And uh, I remember when Chris Jericho uh, had the podcast uh, talk as Jericho. He still has a podcast, but he had um, PJ on the podcast. I, I believe it was just after PJ left WWE, um, talking about his departure. But the one thing he, that uh, he took that I took away from that interview and and. It kind of upset me in, uh, in that moment. Was he said that professional wrestling in South Africa died when his when his dad passed away? Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I remember that man. And um, you see, sometimes friends and family members they think that you've got a mind like an elephant. That's yeah. Okay, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I remember that. And like I said earlier in my podcast, I'm one of those guys. I've got a dream. I live my dream, and I and I, and I, and I go for it. Yeah. Can you imagine, Paul? Just to put you in, in a little bit of a vision, can you imagine 2007? I got signed by WWE, and uh, which I did. I, I got signed in 2010. Yeah. Then I broke my back. 2011, I broke my back. We never even got to talk about it. But can you imagine? I got signed. What would have happened with my wrestling academy in Johannesburg? What would have happened about with all this new talent? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So God got a plan, yeah. and that's what I always say. 2011, when I was offered by Ty Baylor, Ty Baylor that um, developmental contract, that was God trying to show me, look, you are good enough, you can go there, but not now. I don't want you there. Yeah. So that's why I stayed here, because I've got this vision, I've got this dream, and I've always said it. South Africa's got the most potential out of all the countries to make the best quality wrestlers ever. All that we need, we need to do it as a full-time job because there's currently not one wrestler in South Africa that's doing it as a full-time job. Yeah. So can you yourself imagine that, can you imagine yourself that if uh, Ananda has to wake up in the morning, eat the right perfect nutrition, hit the gym, go to the wrestling academy and just train and go do shows, and that's all he does for, yeah. for, for a living. Yeah. We will outshine the whole wide world. So all we need in South Africa, in South Africa, wrestling is on fire. With all these promotions popping up and everybody doing all those big arena stages shows, and yeah. it's amazing. All we lack of in South Africa right now is one big monster. That's all we need. Yeah. And I don't care who, which company gets it. As long as somebody gets one big sponsor, then we're going to be there, man. I agree. Because then the guy can get a decent salary. They don't have to flip and work. 12 hour day shift, train for one hour wrestling, eat junk food, eat crap. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I, I've said this so often. South Africa needs a Vince McMahon, uh, somebody with uh, a bucket load of money to buy out everybody, sign all them to monthly salary contracts, you know, so that as you can say, they can do this as a full time gig, run big arenas, get on television, get the media behind them. Um, and, and I think that's really the only way that you know that we can be on that level. Um, and, and it's it's we're yeah. starting to see that take shape. Um, and to your point, I don't care who it is. 
um, as long as the guys are, are making money that we're, we're putting on yes. good quality wrestling and by goodness if I can be part of it I'll be happy as well no, you're right on you know, it's spot on man now, and, and, and our, our problem in South Africa right now is that there's too much pride I mean if, if you write a certain uh, promotion a letter an invitation whatever you, you get kind of cut off which is good because they're professional yeah but you don't even know who they are, what they look like. You can't even have a fit on meeting them. They don't have respect for us who actually grew these guys in this business, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay? So then you get other guys that they don't want this one and this one on this show because of political reasons. There's too much. What I'm trying to say in a nutshell is there's too many chiefs to little Indians. Too many chiefs to little Indians. I say they must sit back, check who's got the most experience, take these guys, take them together. Don't give them any, make them a chief, just take their knowledge and you run it as a business. Absolutely, and that's what that's what companies like AEW are doing. They're they're using guys like Arn Anderson um, and Tully exactly. Blanchard and all those guys uh, to you and using the financial backing of of um, the Khan family and just to Tony Khan and his family and just running with this and 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 touch wood, they're they're gonna really be successful and that so far so good for them. I wanna yes, uh, I wanna sort of close off the podcast by playing a, a word association game with you. Uh, I want to throw out one or two names in our business, um, and I just want one sort of one word or one phrase uh, comebacks from yourself. Uh, I'll st- I'm going to start with our friend who we've spoken about, Johnny Palacio. Johnny Palacio, very good wrestler, um, a good knowledgeable guy. I think it's a good. I think he will be a good leader in the locker room, and just an amazing worker. Tornado. Very experienced, uh, very athletic, um, good mentor. Exterminator, you talked about him before. <laughs> Funny guy to be around. <laughs> to be around him. Um, very good physique. Wild bold. Uh, very robotic. Let's talk about um, our friend Chuma. Uh, Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. Good super business. Mark Beale. Man of his word. The weasel. <laughs> a good guy. Very good guy. Blacksmith. Oh, what a cool guy, man. He's an amazing guy. Good mentor as well. Um, very good experience. One of the one of the great guys that I worked against. One of my yeah. favorite as well. One of my top ten, really definitely. Um, what a what a great guy. Seriously, absolutely. absolutely. I I love him to death. I, I've, I whenever I see him, I feel like family with him. Uh, always a big hug and and everything. Just an absolutely great guy. Yes, that's that's true for you, man. That's true for you. Uh, Sean Kun. Gentle giant. Absolutely soft spoken. Very soft. Okay, he's, he's, a, he's a great guy. Yeah. He's, he's an amazing guy to work for. He's an amazing guy to work with. He's an amazing guy to share the locker room with. Yeah. Anansi, uh, we've spoken for about an hour and a half, and I've had such a blast. And I, I think we haven't even touched a lot of the things that, that we probably could still do. Uh, but we'll definitely um, do this again. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for your time. Uh, where, can, where can people listening follow you on social media? They can follow me at Anandi, which is the fan page, or they can go to my wrestling school, African Punishment Wrestling Association, APWA. And then also CPW, Champions Pro Wrestling, why not? They'll add our other company as well. What's coming up for, for Anandi um, and APWA and CPW um, in 2020? Oh, man. For me, it's so hard to answer this one right now. Um, I actually came from the doctor today, and... Uh, I must still be in my crutches for another four weeks. Oh, crap. So that's kind of another emotional thing for me. Yeah. I was on the holiday 
yeah, in, on my on my two week mark, two weeks ago, um, I put the clutches once and I started walking, limping around. So I thought I was doing a good thing, I was listening to my body. Yeah. And today, in Monday, when I went to rehab, no Friday when I went to rehab, when I got in there, the physiotherapist she was getting me out. It's like, why are you doing this? So I started walking with one clutch, and today I went to the doctor, all confident and positive because I want to tell him now. I'm all excited because I left the crutches and he said, please don't do it. And he did scans and stuff. He said, please, another four weeks on crutches. No. So um, I'm set back for another month. Mm. So I'm going to take this four weeks just to recoup myself again, think about other vision, other plans. Um, I think on our next podcast, we can talk about that because I got a lot of plans. Absolutely. I've got a lot of plans that I don't want, really want to reveal as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much, and, and uh, the reason that I've, I'm doing this is it was something that I wanted to do for such a long time, and I had a blast doing it with XWE, um, the thousand more, little bit of interview, hyping shows, results, and things like that, but um, what fans um, might not know was that the fact that you actually sent me a message, uh, um, it was, I think it was a voice note on WhatsApp or something, where, you, where I thought I was in trouble because you're like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? I'm, I, no, you, you said you're angry with me. And I was like, goodness, what did I do wrong? And basically you're just saying, uh, you know, you need to have your own show. Um, and, and that's the reason yeah. that I wanted to have you as the first guest. I could have had a, a lot of other guests, but uh, that message meant a, a hell of a lot to me. And I wanted to have you on as the first guest. So I, thank you so much. It's an honor for me, brother. And thank you for following your dream. And please remember, follow your dreams, brother. Anansi, thank you so much, uh, and we'll do this again. God bless you, my man. Special thanks to Anansi, the great one, for being on the podcast this week. Just an incredible interview. Love that guy so much. He's just a phenomenally awesome talent. And uh, his story just, gosh, when I was interviewing him, I literally sat behind this mic with goosebumps. Uh, his story is just remarkable. I absolutely, I absolutely love that story. Um, yeah, so next time on the podcast, who's going to be stopping by? I believe it could very well be my good friend Johnny Palazzo, the Italian stallion, could be making a pit stop on the podcast, or it could be Mr. Money, or it could be Magnificent Mike Xander, it could even be the legendary Tornado, or who else would stop by the podcast? I'm just going to have to follow all social media to find out, but ladies and gentlemen, for myself, Mr. Paul... And the team here, thanks so much for being with us this week. And have a great week and month and year ahead. It's 2020, baby. And you got to do it big. Please look after yourself wherever you go. As Jim Ross always said, and a lot of what I do, I take from that man. Uh, if you know me, you know he's my absolute idol. I'm going to say what he always said. Remember, our tomorrows aren't guaranteed. guaranteed. So make the most of every day. Look after the ones you love. And of course, I'll catch you when I catch you again. Your dream will change you.